0: Get your personalized plan today at noom.com. Real noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary.
1: On DAB, online, via the Talksport app, and on your smart speaker.
0: Women's Football
1: Weekly with faker others and leading guests from the world of women's football. Cuts back onto her right foot um. and finds the next. On Talksport 2.
2: Welcome to Women's Football Weekly. It was a spectacular FA Cup final at Wembley, with both Manchester City and Chelsea delivering the goods in front of just over 49,000 at Wembley.
1: He grabs the handles, she turns, they wait, she takes the lid off, she gives one to Millie Bright, they look up, thrust it into the sky. It's a blue day at Wembley.
2: City pushed Chelsea all the way, but in the end, it was Super Sam Kerr that won it again for Chelsea.
1: There's a mistake by Kennedy and Kerr has got round the back and she's charting towards goal and it's only Alex Greenwood between her and the goal. She gets into the area, right footed shot, takes a deflection and it's there!
2: Ellen White may have been on the losing side but we'll hear from England's record goal scorer ahead of the Euros. We, we
3: want to make the country really proud, we want to make our family and friends proud, we want the whole kind of country to get right behind us and support us and you know feel that real buzz we'll also be
2: rounding up some transfer news and looking ahead to the european championships this is women's football weekly national radio's only dedicated women's football show
4: women's football weekly with faye others.
5: hi i'm leah williamson from arsenal women and you can follow the wsl on Talksport too
2: Hello, hello. Happy Monday, you lovely lot. Now then, because it's our last show of the season, we're having a bit of a mini break before the Euros kick off. So we won't be gone for very long. And my guest today is someone that you all know very, very well. She's a constant on Women's Football Weekly. We could not do this show without her. It's the one and only Flo Lloyd-Hughes.
4: Thanks, Faye. Very nice introduction. Um, yeah. Ooh, very welcome. It's welcome. Uh, it's... It feels like the end of the season, but it's not really because we're going to be back for the Euros. But yesterday felt like a a very nice way to sort of like cap off the domestic season anyway.
2: Yeah, it really did. It really did. It was a a, a festival atmosphere, if you like, at at Wembley. It was a fantastic final. Uh, Before we get stuck into exactly what happened and and chat about it, uh, let's listen back to how it sounded live on TalkSport 2. TalkSport 2.
1: Here it's a knockout showdown with doubles the prize Chelsea looking to complete a WSL, an FA Cup double City looking for a cup double and we are underway Bright then tries to get across it, it takes a little deflection It goes high and into the net Millie Bright celebrates her first goal of the season And what a time to score it Runs up against Bright now, Hemp, but cuts in right footed Curls it towards the fire post and scores a brilliant FA Cup final goal Lauren Hemp scores once again. It's up towards Cuthbert who strikes off the underside of the bar and in. Now there's a chance into the penalty area. That's down the back, and she scored a late equaliser. Gets into the area, right-footed shot, Touched a deflection, and it's there! Sam Kerr scores! This team with great mentality, with great energy, with great skill, have won the cup final. Chelsea are the 2022 WSL champions. And the FA Cup winners.
2: Okay, so it finished Chelsea three, Manchester City two. After extra time, let's go through it chronologically, shall we, Flo? You were obviously at Wembley as well. I was there as a fan rather than in a working capacity, which was so exciting and so rare for me. I'm not going to lie. I thoroughly enjoyed it. I missed the first half, though. Um, I've obviously watched it back, but I had to come from the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium, which is not an easy trip to Wembley. So I missed the first half, um, but it was incredible. And City were all over Chelsea at the beginning.
4: Yeah, I imagine they're really kicking themselves. I mean, I was in the tunnel. We'll obviously talk about how the the game unraveled, but I was in the tunnel at full time and uh, obviously some very frustrated City faces and spoke to Gareth Taylor afterwards. But based on those opening sort of 10, 15 minutes, you can understand why, because Chelsea was seriously under the cosh. And I actually think on the balance of things, City were probably the better team throughout, but Caroline, we're at a shot over the bar in the first sort of five minutes. Uh, and then Georgia Stanway had a shot that was deflected out for a corner in the opening 10. Um, City looked so dangerous. Bunny Shaw looked like a constant threat. Um, and uh, then, of course, completely against, <laughs> against the run of play, uh, it's uh, it's Chelsea that take the lead. So, yeah, it was um, frustrating, I think, for, for City that they couldn't capitalise on that really good spell at the beginning it's really interesting isn't it because actually last week in the final game in the
2: WSL against Manchester United Chelsea really poor at the beginning of the game same in the FA Cup semi-final against Arsenal as well it seems as if they just it, it takes them quite a while to find their rhythm
4: yeah even though we we know them as kind of quite ruthless operators in front of goal and Caroline Weir sending that shot over the bar is is not like her at all um i don't know if it was the in, intimidating atmosphere of wembley or just the the pressure of the game as a whole um but yes yeah, certainly in in recent weeks we have seen them get a little bit more um impatient maybe sometimes even though they've had really high scoring wins it's uh, almost like a rapid uh, a rapid second half. I mean, think about that midweek game against Birmingham City, which was nil-nil at half time. And I think they ended up winning six nil, scoring six in the second half. So yeah, you're right. It's like, even though with all that firepower, it takes them a bit of time to get up to speed. Yeah, I mean, it was a, a, great,
2: a, a great opening goal. Although Sam Kerr in her post-match interviews said she actually didn't like either of her goals particularly but then if you score wonder goals on the final game of the WSL season I can understand why Uh, two easier ones maybe aren't on your radar however they were crucial goals weren't they Uh, nodding over the line from Millie Bright's um, ball into the back post but then Lauren Hemp who We've waxed lyrical about on this show all season. Uh, comes in to to get
4: the equaliser. Yeah, brilliant, Lauren Hemp goal on her right foot as well, which is not something we really see from her. That she was so good. I mean, she she's been so good all season. So expect nothing less. Um, and uh, yeah, such such a good goal from her. And, and then I felt like once City had got themselves back in it, I thought they were then going to kind of take control of the game. But it's that classic stereotype of Chelsea, really, this season. And last season, I think, in their way to the Champions League final is they just can find a way to win. They just have that individual quality. And the player that got them back into the the game against United and, and got them back into the title race, Aaron Cuthbert, scoring an absolute worldie at Wembley. I mean, what a goal that was.
2: I genuinely think she was just waiting for me to get into the ground. Love her, and I think she's like Faye's not here yet. Right now, I can turn (laughs) it on. Oh, it was it was just a wonder goal. I saw her dad Steve uh, tweet. Oh, I taught her everything she knows. brilliant but it it was fantastic and obviously she got player of the match as well which was very very well deserved and then of course because we're at Wembley and the men's FA Cup final went to extra time and penalties uh, the women were like hang on a minute we want to keep some of this glory ourselves thank you very much and there go Manchester City and throw a spanner in the works just as you thought Chelsea we're heading for another trophy.
4: Yeah, poor old producer Ek and Adrian, they'd already been there till the, very late, the, the previous day after the men's FA Cup. And they'd do it all over again. And then they were, they were flying out at Crack of Dawn this morning to uh, to Spain to to do the um, Europa, League, Europa final. League final. So yeah, it's been a long old couple of days for them. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, it kept it, it kept it interesting. And then again, I thought, okay, the momentum has swung back to City and they are going to find a winner in extra time. And I think... I almost felt like Chelsea were partly thinking that too. I mean, my um, my friend who's a big Chelsea fan texted me saying, I've accepted the fact we're going to lose this game. I mean, that's what they wow. said to me. So so the fact that I felt like people in the stadium were thinking, right, that is now City in control because it was the 89th minute. You know, Chelsea had been running the clock down a little bit, had been time wasting a little bit, trying to slow the game down. They were trying to get their hands on the trophy and to have a moment like that almost kind of take the air out of you and it be such a sucker punch, it's then even more incredible that they can somehow find a winner. Obviously, Kerr's goal was deflected a little bit of luck. I do really feel for Alex Greenwood because she kind of did all the things right in defending mm. that situation. She was really unlucky and obviously gutted, fell to the to the turf, just in, in absolute agony. Um, but it's just Chelsea, isn't it? It's just Chelsea. It's what they do. It's like you said, it's a scrappy goal from Kerr. But they just get it done. They
2: find a way to win, and of course, a little bit of revenge for the for the League Cup final as well, which Manchester City won three-one earlier in the season. Uh, let's hear from everyone involved, shall we? Chelsea manager Emma Hayes full of praise for her side, but also she couldn't wait to go out and
4: celebrate. Cannot wait to have a drink. <laughs> I'm being honest. That was epic. That was two phenomenal teams. Women's football really wins today. And. I've been saying it for a long time. My team have got that little bit of extra. And they showed again today, they do. I have huge respect for them. When they have got a player like Lauren Hemp, can change games in a minute. I think the fact we've gone one up, he equaliser gone up again, oh, she's amazing. I think Man City are a tremendous team. I think for us today, uh, that's all about the dressing room and what we're about.
2: Manchester City boss Gareth Taylor grateful of his team's effort
1: despite the result. I thought we dominated most of the most of the ninety minutes and even the extra time as well. But I feeling of pride, a pride, feel, a real feeling of pride. You know, we've done a lot in the second half of the season. We have achieved achieved a lot. I was proud of the way the players handled themselves today and played and, and fought back. Unfortunately, we just couldn't quite get ahead um, for all of our dominance. But um, yeah, that's football. You know, Chelsea, are a good team. They know how to win. And. Uh, I think the third goal was obviously difficult then, even though there was still 20 minutes to go because they can see the finish line. And uh, But really proud of the team, really proud.
2: Would you say it's been a successful season for, for Gareth Taylor, bearing in mind the tough start to the season they had in terms of injury and everything else, to finally get themselves up into the top three, secure Champions League football for next year, get themselves a League Cup trophy, so one piece of silverware, even though they lost the FA Cup final, do you think he'll see it as a successful season?
4: I asked him this actually after the game and he said he he, he definitely did. Um, Obviously it is gutting to have to kind of reflect on that immediately after the game, but he did say, yeah, on balance, he he does think it has been a successful season, especially where they came from and where they started. Um, But having had the chance to win at Wembley, it obviously doesn't necessarily feel like that, but really, to have a League a league Cup trophy, a final at Wembley, and be in the Champions League when you were so far off six months ago is very impressive. Uh, So I think they will be pleased with that. And if they hold on to the majority of their players, we still don't know what's going to happen with Lucy Bronze and her contract. But even without her, they've still got a very strong squad. So I think next season, the expectation will be that they really have to push... Chelsea and Arsenal all the way for the title.
2: Yeah, I agree. Um, now you also spoke to Erin Cuthbert, who scored that screamer, I mean, I bet you didn't ask her. Did you wait till Faye got in the ground? I bet you didn't ask her that. Flo, did you?
5: I mean, this is just <laughs> no. Poor, I didn't. This
2: is poor journalism, <laughs> I'm afraid. <laughs> Let's hear from Erin Cuthbert.
5: Difficult to put into words. Wow, what a game! What a spectacle for women's football. You know, it's hard for a for the team to respond. You know, we've lost a goal in the dying minutes to take it to extra time. It's it's really really disappointing, but. I think we really had to dig deep. We have to find some something in ourselves that we've probably not found before, um, and we certainly did that.
4: What did Emma say to you guys after City got the equaliser and you're heading into extra time? What was that team talk like?
5: It was absolutely manic, but she she said, um, "We've been here before. We know. You know, we went down ten players to to Tottenham. We went down against Manchester United when we had to win the title. We know what it feels like to be." almost stamped on and to be nearly dead but you're just hanging in there so um it's almost like around the box and we just we're just hanging in there and you find something in like you find something from yourself you find you dig deep and you find a level that you've never found before and a level of character for the team and i think everyone found that level today and it resulted in, in us winning the game and you
4: did it against united last week you you got your side back into the game you did it again today it's just becoming a regular thing for you?
5: Oh, no, don't say that. Um, <laughs> that's a wee bit fresher. No, but seriously, I'm I'm just enjoying being in midfield. I'm enjoying my football at the minute. So sad that the season's ha- having to end because I feel like I'm in a, in a really good moment. Maybe not now after 120 minutes, mind you, but um, I'm feeling good and I, hopefully I can bring this into next season.
2: Love Erin Cuthbert. What a season she's had. Absolutely fantastic. And she's capping it
4: off with a trip to Spain. Yeah, she's very excited. Um, as she 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 marched into the um the room that we were doing the post match in with a bottle of champagne in in hand. Uh, I mean she's such a character, isn't she? Um, and uh, she was loving life. And then uh, we said, you know, go out and celebrate. She said, yeah, I'm on the on the plane to Sevilla tomorrow. Can't wait. Uh, obviously huge Rangers fan. Um, from from Glasgow, I think she played for Rangers for a little bit as well. So she is very excited about their big final. Um, and. All the Chelsea players were in Box Park at Wembley afterwards for their for their um, little after party. Um, it was fairly lively. I didn't I didn't hang around for the whole thing, um, but I imagine it got I imagine it got pretty lively. But they're in good spirits and they were you know posing for pictures with fans and stuff. And it was it was really nice the reception that they got when they walked into Box Park with all their kit and and the trophy and everything and. And loads of them had their medals round their necks. And, you know, the fans were going up to them asking for pictures. It was really nice. It was really, really nice. And I, I felt for, for City because I know that they were having their after party at the Hilton Hotel. So I can imagine it was very different sort of vibes and celebrations, obviously. I mean, I don't know, Faye, do you know if they even bother to to do the post you know they've obviously planned the after party at the hotel but do they even bother to go ahead with it if they lose or I I don't
2: know I haven't spoken to anyone from from the city camp yet today um I mean it would be it would be one of those I, I think it would be fair that they could celebrate the season um I certainly yeah. saw Steph Horton have her medal and take it immediately off her neck and just mm-hmm. hold it around and and I know that there are a lot of players like that they don't they don't agree with um, a, a runners-up medal. So whether or not they'll have been in a celebratory mood, I, I know if I've lost a game, I, I don't. I don't really want to go and celebrate I just want to sulk by myself um, yeah so, exactly shame yeah. <laughs> so I don't I don't know uh, we shall find out and we'll let you know when we're back for uh, for the Euros <laughs> pods uh, you're listening to Women's Football Weekly on Talk Sport 2 I'm Faker Others. Flo Lloyd-Hughes is with me as well coming up we're going to talk transfers and new managers <laughs> This is Women's Football Weekly on TalkSport 2, the only show on national radio dedicated to women's football. I'm Faker Carruthers. Producer Flo Lloyd-Hughes is with me. Don't forget, if you do miss any of our shows or you want to listen again, our podcast is available on the TalkSport app, so just go ahead and download it today. Right, the woman with her finger on the pulse for all the transfer news is Flo Lloyd-Hughes. It even rhymes. I absolutely love it. <laughs> uh, I feel like I should do like a Vidi printer sound. What is going on? On with Vivian Medemar, you got an exclusive flow.
4: Yeah, it's really interesting because at the start of the year, the links to Barcelona were getting very, very loud and very strong. And obviously, with the way that Arsenal's season was heading, getting knocked out of the Champions League the quarterfinals, losing that FA Cup final in December, losing to Chelsea in the FA Cup semi-final just about a month or so ago, it was really looking more and more likely that Myanmar was going because she obviously has big ambitions, wants to win the Champions League, wants to win a lot of of trophies, and she's one of the best players in the world. And she's been at Arsenal for quite a long time now. But last week heard that she was signing a, a, a one-year deal at Arsenal, which I was very surprised at. Um, but a very reliable source um, told me that. And then uh, she was uh, filming uh, content at the Emirates for an announcement video that should be being released very soon to announce this one year extension so yeah a bit of a plot twist in that definitely because I think most people had expected her to go to Barcelona I mean it's interesting that it's a a one year deal Um, and I guess we will see what happens next season with Arsenal because maybe she'll then sign another contract after that or then maybe she'll go to Barcelona after that who knows. It'd be really fascinating actually to see
2: because obviously it hasn't felt as if we've seen the best of Vivian Miedema in the last few games in particular but maybe she'll start to uh, now she knows that her future is sorted for at least the next year maybe we'll get the the, the Midamar of old and then that wonderful partnership between her and Stina Blackstenius can can do amazing things for Arsenal next season
4: yeah i think we we, we saw some some of the potential of that when Blackstenius that arrived i think Midamar herself has said that she loves playing in this deeper role Um, But I don't know if we do see the best of her in it. I think her and Black Blacksinius are forming a great partnership, but the typical Midamar that we know and is so effective is very different when she plays in that partnership and plays in a deeper role. So it'll be interesting to see what happens next season. Um, But Arsenal really do need to add a bit more to their defence, I think, if they're going to be able to go deep into the Champions League and win the title next season, because on balance of squads, Chelsea's defence is just far more superior. And they've been playing together longer, but when you look at the size, speed, strength, um, and just stability of Chelsea's defence versus Arsenal, there just there just isn't really uh, a, a comparison there. Chelsea just just heading ahead and head above uh, a better defensive team. So it'll be interesting to see what Jonas Adler does this summer because I imagine he will want to add uh, a good bit of defensive robustness.
2: Mm. Keris Harrop has signed a new contract at Spurs until 2023. She's had a
4: great season. Yeah, she's had a really good season. Um, she, I think she, she struggled a little bit. I, I would personally say when she moved from Birmingham to Spurs last season, but this season I think we really see her kind of. Uh, the best of of what she can do she's obviously a very experienced player she's been playing the WSL for a while but she's added a couple of goals to her game um and she's been really consistent for Spurs so yeah it's a, I think it's a it's a, it's a great deal for, for for both parties really
2: we've obviously spoken about uh departures throughout the last uh, few weeks but some more to confirm for you Simone McGill leaving Everton at the end of her contract she's just been there uh, since June. A big clear-out at Brighton. Aileen Whelan, Fliss Gibbons, Danny Bowman and Emily Simpkins, Danique Kerjic and Inessa Kagman all leaving uh, their contracts up in June. And then another big clear-out as well for West Ham. We obviously know Julie Flaherty. Um, her time there has come to an end but they've also confirmed Lois Joel, Anna Leete, Katerina Svitkova and Zanetta Wynn will all leave the club when their current deals expire in the summer. So big clear-outs and I, I expect... Throughout the Euros and, and beyond, we're going to hear a, a lot of movement.
4: Yeah, it's really interesting, especially with West Ham, because obviously w- with Oli Harder leaving, who I think it does such a good job at West Ham, I think he was one of my managers of the season, to be honest, and, and Paul Konchesky staying. I think we're, it's not surprising to see so much movement uh, with a lot of players either not getting new contracts or turning it down. I think in the case of Katerina Switch. Of her. she's had such a good season I imagine it was probably more likely she turned down a contract rather than she wasn't offered one because there's reports that she's been linked to Chelsea and things like that she's a very good player so I think she's going to move up in terms of like where she is clubs wise um some of those other players players they haven't had a ton of uh, a ton of game time really um so it'll be interesting to see where they kind of fit in the in in the summer but we obviously know in women's football that Outside of the big clubs, which are uh, players are signing longer contracts, especially at Chelsea and City, the contracts are only one or two years. So you're going to see a lot of movement. But I imagine if you're a player, it's really frustrating because you are having to pack up and move all the time. It's really hard to get settled when you've only got a year or two at a club. Um, So especially some of the outgoings, we'll probably see more at Everton as well, given the season that they've been having. Um, it's obviously really tough for, for players to basically work out where they're going to go next. Yeah, it
2: really is. Um going to be fascinating to see what ambitions West Ham have because it feels as if they just float in that middle bit. They dally a little bit with the bottom of the of the table and then kind of stabilise and, and just sit in the middle. But I, I'd love to know what, what their ambitions are uh, going forward. It feels as if championship side Lewis FC have amazing ambitions and would love to push in to the WSL because they have named Scott Booth as their new manager for the season. He's obviously got 30 years experience playing and coaching football at the highest level. 22 caps for Scotland himself, managed youth sides and then joined Glasgow City in the Scottish Women's Premier League where he led them to where he led them to six consecutive Uh, league titles, two Scottish Cups, one Scottish League Cup as well. He obviously went to Birmingham um, at some point, but yeah, he takes over on a two-year contract from Craig Gill, who joined the club in October 2021 as an interim. Um, And Flo, you caught up with Lewis FC CEO Maggie Murphy earlier on to talk about him.
6: Yeah, we're really, really chuffed. This is his first week um, in the seat now. Uh, I think some of my colleagues are quite happy that he's here so that they can uh, shift on some of the roles and responsibilities. Um, as you might know, we've had an interim manager for most of this last season. So we really wanted to do a very thoughtful, very thorough search for who was going to be the right person to take us forward. Um, we didn't want to rush it. There was a lot of pressure on us, including from fans saying, you know, this doesn't work. We need stability. We need a new manager. But we were really clear that we wanted to, to, to take this slowly and do the best possible process. So... Uh, yeah we're delighted that that Scott's coming on board.
4: And where are Lewis at the moment on their journey towards having that full-time set up?
6: Well I mean I think a lot of clubs uh, bandy about the world the word full-time we never do you know but our our players are in four days a week training during the day. Um, For me personally I find it a little bit challenging to say that something's full-time unless I can provide the players with the mm. best possible salaries and the the you know the best possible environment. So I'm very cautious about using words like professional and full-time. You won't hear us talking about that. Um, we're just trying to transition the club into the best possible space. Um, and the players are committed people in that journey we consult them a lot we ask them their thoughts we want to understand how they think it will work best for them some of them still uh, study at university some of them still have part-time jobs what we wanted to do last season was shift the focus away from football being the second priority into football being the first priority so I think that's what we did last season Uh, we learned a lot and now it's it's about figuring out at what point are we going to be able to make it their entire priority but I think uh, the championship, I think women's football is still far away from that in a sustainable way. So we are trying to do everything as sustainably as possible because every penny we spend, we have to make ourselves. We can't rely on um, you know, going to a uh, rich parent club. It's just not a possibility for us.
4: And the championship is so competitive now. We've got Birmingham coming down. it be interesting to see if they you know, expect to have a, a full-time professional team next season or, or how this impacts them. But you've got so many historically big clubs down there and also ones that are linked to Premier League sides. How has that affected you guys, obviously as a member-owned club that doesn't have that sort of professional football league or Premier League backing? Has that been tough to really be able to compete with some of those other clubs?
6: Well, I think if you look at someone like London City Lionesses, I mean, they came second in the league. They they're, they're did a great job by being an independent club. I mean, obviously, there's a great story around Coventry, again, a, an, an independent club in in that sense. Um, I actually think, and Durham as well, have always been competitive in our in our league. I, I actually think maybe not enough light has been shone on the championship and the unique, very different styles and governance structures of football clubs. It's such a competitive league, but with such variety in the way that they are run and owned and controlled. And um, yeah, I, I just think it's a really fascinating league. It's really one full of, of battles and anyone can beat anyone. Um, however, yes, I do think that there is a little... Um, fear in the back of probably all of those clubs uh, and ours as as well about the the speed of professionalisation without the requisite income. Um, I think it's just something that, you know, you see even in the the WSL, you know, teams lose money each year and, and we're trying so hard not to be that kind of club. We're trying to do this sustainably. We put a lot of effort into our match day experience, a lot of effort into getting fans coming back and enjoying the experience um, because we need that money to, to to be able to survive. So I think there is an existential question around what is a women's football team? What is a successful team allowed to look like in a governance sense in this country? Um, but at the moment, you know, we're, we've still got some really quality teams that are battling it out and proving that maybe we can do things differently. But it's all about... It's all about the environment that's created for us. So the more that the FA is able to create an environment where small clubs are allowed to thrive and can thrive and that the speed of change isn't too much for us to not be able to catch up, as long as we can manage that effectively and have a real focus on sustainability, I think, you know, we should be fine. At any time, though, obviously a club can turn on the tap and, and, and drown us out, I guess.
2: Great appointment. Lovely to hear from Maggie Murphy. Right, you're listening to Women's Football Weekly on Talk Sport 2 with Faker Rothers and Flo Lloyd-Hughes. Next up, we're going to look ahead to the women's Euros. You're listening to Women's Football Weekly on TalkSport 2, the UK's only national radio show dedicated to women's football with me, Faker Rothers and producer Flo Lloyd-Hughes. Don't forget, if you do miss any of our shows or you want to listen again, our podcast is available on the TalkSport app, so just go ahead and download it today. Now then. Big things coming across the TalkSport network this summer because we have live coverage of the 2022 Women's Euros on both TalkSport and TalkSport 2. We have live England games on TalkSport. England-Austria kick things off at Old Trafford on the 6th of July. Very exciting. Cannot wait to bring you all the action from a home Euros. And earlier on this week, Talk Sports Bradley Hayden caught up with England's record goalscorer Ellen White to chat to her about this summer's tournament on home soil.
3: Yeah, obviously it's, it's, it's incredible that, you know, all the group games for England have been completely sold out, which is, you know, phenomenal and it, it shows that, you know, people really want to come and, and watch women's football and and support the game really which is which is amazing obviously it'll be amazing if selected the the squad obviously hasn't been announced so um yeah um trying trying everything to obviously be selected for england i think it would be uh, an amazing occasion really and i think you know um you know when when we've had the squad together you know we we want to make the country really proud we want to make our family and friends proud we want the whole kind of country to get right behind us and support us and you know feel that real buzz um which you know the the men had which will be in, incredible to have that feeling so uh yeah i think it's it's having that back in uh will be incredible and the fact that it's at a home home euros it'd be like having a 12 person out there so uh yeah it'd be really exciting
7: I spoke to Serena Viegman for the first time the other week, and she she tapped into exactly what what you were saying there, and was saying she really wants the fans to come on a journey with with the team this summer. It's the first time I've spoken to her, and I couldn't help but feel really sort of infectious. I could see that a really infectious character from her coming across. I mean, what what's she been like to to work with so far?
3: Yeah, I think she's she's been been great for us. You know, she she came in and you know she she's a real leader for us um you know we we understand the philosophy that you know she's very detailed in in what she wants from the team but she's you know really supportive wants the the team to grow and develop and that's what's you know happened to this team since she came in in September is each game and each camp you know we've worked on something different and wanted to develop and you know a different uh part of the philosophy that we want to kind of uh showcase really and want to really understand as a group and you know it's it's basically for us to to peak come the euros so um you know she's she's a a really great coach really supportive and um you know we we're, we're really lucky to have her to be honest so uh, yeah it should be exciting
7: absolutely i mean if england were able to, to lift a trophy or even just to do an extended run in, the, in in the competition this summer just how much do you think this is going to do for, for women's football in this country
3: obviously we really hope that you know it encourages and and um you know helps people to to really kind of involve themselves or throw themselves into into not necessarily just football but sport in general um you know we know how much you know England and the UK love sport and you know for them everyone to kind of throw themselves behind women's football and really support the campaign and support the Euros will be amazing and to hopefully boost grassroots and encourage people to get involved in football or sport in general will be amazing this summer so uh yeah hopefully everyone will be really proud of of the group and the team really
7: where would you like to see the women's game in maybe five or ten years time
3: uh a good question really you know you I, I obviously want to see the game keep developing and growing and you know, for it to be really accessible and so easy for people to watch it. The visibility is the main thing, uh, really. So, um, you know, if people are able to just turn on their TV and be able to watch any type of sport, women's sport would be incredible, really. We we felt that in the 2019 World Cup that people just turned on their TV. They said they preferred to watch us than Coronation Street, which I was really happy about. Um, So uh, I think that it's, it's all about that visibility. And I think, you know, having it on Sky Sports is great. But BBC, ITV, you know, anywhere, you know, social media, talk sports like yourselves. You know what I mean? Just having that accessibility to, to sport and women's sport is is so important for the game to encourage more people to get involved and for more people to to be able to witness and see it. Um, yeah, I'd love to see it. It'd be amazing.
2: England women's record goalscorer Ellen White uh, speaking there to Talk Sports. Bradley Hayden, I tell you what, Flo, I am beyond excited about this tournament this summer. I feel as if it's something we've been talking about now for such a long time. It was was 2019, I went to the 100-day countdown to the tournament and obviously it was postponed until this year because of the pandemic. Um, But all the planning comes
4: to this and I can't wait. Yeah, I think it was 2017, 2018 when... The tournament was awarded um, to England. So, yeah, it's been a long old journey, hasn't it, to get here. Uh, But it's very, very exciting. I think also being at Wembley yesterday for the cup final, I think, really added to it because it made me think, wow, you know, in in a month, in a couple of months time, we could be here watching England. I mean, I'm obviously getting ahead of myself, but we could be here watching England in a, in a European final, and that would be huge. So, yeah, I got very excited yesterday thinking about that um, and thinking about the tournament as well. I think it's going to be a brilliant tournament.
2: Yeah, I do as well. And so many more eyes and ears on women's football as well. So many of these games sellouts already. Um, yeah, it's just going to be absolutely fantastic. Uh, just let's think, keep our fingers crossed we get a good English summer. So that everybody can be basking in the sun in the fan parks, if they're not I know, at the games. <laughs> I,
4: why? Why? I was saying this yesterday. Uh, why is it always bad weather on the Women's FA Cup final? Day? Yeah, I know. It's so weird. I don't get it. And it was in December, and that delay. Obviously, it was December. but That delayed final rained all day, and then uh, similarly, I think the last one with fans we had in 2018, the Manchester City West Ham final, it was freezing cold in May. It's ridiculous. Um, So I don't know what it is, but we need to make sure that we please have some good weather for the Euros. That's all I want.
2: Yeah, I I turned up to Wembley looking like a drowned rat, honestly. I'd I'd had to walk all the way to Seven Sisters from Tottenham Hotspur Stadium. It's ridiculous. Uh, Talk Sport, as a reminder, will be bringing live commentary of all of England's Euros games and Northern Ireland's matches as well. We'll also have extensive coverage of the whole tournament and, of course, we'll be covering everything on Women's Football Weekly as well. You are listening to Women's Football Weekly on TalkSport 2. I'm Faye Carruthers alongside producer Flo Lloyd-Hughes. Next up, we're going to take a look at some of the best bits from the show this year. You're listening to Women's Football Weekly on TalkSport2, the UK's only national radio show dedicated to women's football with me, Faker Ruthers, and producer Flo Lloyd Hughes. We are available on podcast as well. Do not forget, plenty of places you can download us. But first, head to the TalkSport app to find us, and you can obviously subscribe elsewhere. As Well, now then, it's been a cracking season. You've made it wonderful as always, Women's Football Weekly listeners, as have some of the superb guests we've had across the season. Bradley Hayden and Flo Lloyd-Hughes have been out on the beat, chatting to some of the biggest names in women's football. And we just wanted to collate some of our favourites for you as a reminder.
7: Tobin, thanks so much for joining me. Um, First things first, how much are you enjoying your time at Arsenal so far?
2: Uh, yeah
8: it's been um a great opportunity um obviously like i came here with you know a lot of expectations and um, you know the team and and the staff and just being able to represent the badge has been um such an incredible time um so I'd say yeah it's been it's been a great season so far.
7: What are your early sort of memories as, a, as an Arsenal fan? I mean, what sort of people, what sort of players did you sort of look up to here when, when you were younger?
8: Yeah, it's really unique experience as an American because um, it's obviously not, you know, super popular. Um, or at least when you know I started following the Premier League, it wasn't super popular. Uh, nowadays in the US, it's much um, much easier to, to follow along and to be a fan of. Um, but back then I kind of felt like very, um, alone in, in that, but it also brought me like great, great pride. And it, it took a lot of effort to be able to be a fan too. Cause it was almost like you always had to like always find something or always work to be able to see something and, you know, just collecting the memorabilia, watching the games. Um, I just loved watching Arsenal as a kid and, um, I, I was telling someone before every single year, you know, I'd get the new um, team poster that I would put up above the old team poster in my room. And, um, you know, just like the special players, like Henri and Vieira and Sesk. Uh, I, I just like, I love the Invincibles. I loved the way that they played and, and then the results that, that came with that style and Arsene, his philosophy was just brilliant. You know, like you think of players and, of coaches that have changed the evolution of football and you know this club is iconic for it so um, obviously like that started um, the way that I feel about the club and the way that I've, I've continued and now you know obviously it's a unique and a special experience to be here as, as a fan.
7: Absolutely and growing up in the States how, how did you get into to football when, when you were younger?
8: I think getting into football is really easy because it's the number one sport, especially for, for girls. Um, uh, so that part was, was easy. Mm-hmm. I think, you know, the next, there was never like kind of that thought of becoming a professional though, because when I was growing up, that wasn't an actual, mm-hmm. um, thing. So, uh, you know, obviously just my love, um, for the game from the very beginning I played with the football, you know, just continued kind of my career. And it was almost mm-hmm. like, you know, having the dream and living the dream at the same time, because, you you know, the, the women's game has continued to evolve really quickly um, mm-hmm. and grown a lot. So thankfully, you know, I have the opportunities that I have, you know, being able to be a professional in a club like this and, you know, more and more opportunities. Um, hopefully as the game grows, gives, you know, much, much more, you know, many more dreams to, to the next generation. Mm-hmm.
7: Absolutely, and and for yourself, growing up, was there any particular players that you maybe looked up to or or tried to sort of model yourself on or tried to aspire to be like when you were younger?
8: You know, not from the women's game, but you know, I was obsessed with uh, Brazilian football and um, particularly Ronaldinho and um, just the way that he, the relationship he had with the football, and you know, I I love players that when you watch them on the field, they do something unexpected or different than than what you would assume would happen in a situation um so kind of the innovators um and the creators were always players that I was drawn to.
7: Hannah thanks so much for joining me um first things first a lot has happened since we last spoke so how much are you enjoying your your football this season?
9: Yeah no it's it's been going well I think um especially last month it was just the cherry on top really so um I couldn't really ask asked for for it to go any better this season but Obviously there's more things that I want to achieve. So I've just got to get my head back down and keep going.
7: You mentioned the the, the cherry on top of the cake uh, recently. I mean, how proud a moment was that making your your England debut as as well?
9: I, I can't believe it still. Um whenever someone mentions it, I've just got a smile from ear to ear and it's prob- it's up there and it's probably the the highest and most proudest moment I've had in my career so far. So yeah. Um it's a it's unbelievable feeling and most of it was a blur I can't really remember a lot of it To be fair,
7: <laughs> <laughs> was it a real kind of pinch yourself moment sort of walking out for the first time and really sort of an opportunity for you as well to to sort of think about how far you've come as well given that you know when you were younger you might not have been able to to sort of play sport or football because of your your eye condition
9: yeah I think walking out um seeing all the fans cheering that was that was incredible um singing the national anthem um to represent your country that's something not many people get to experience so again truly grateful for that and i i had i don't think i took a smile off my face in the national anthem and i had tears in my eyes at one point so um yeah that was a huge honor and before the game starts and you, you hear your name being called out in the lineup and people just cheering for you like it's unbelievable support that we've been getting recently and it's growing a lot. So yeah, that was incredible. Um no, I think um obviously growing up with with the eye condition and being told I couldn't, um it did make me more hungry to get to the top. And I think I'm now just proof that no matter what you get told as a as a kid or as an adult, um if you want it so bad, you can still go out and get it. So it's all about following your dreams and it's what I did and I was I was able to fulfil my dream and achieve it. So um, yeah, I'll keep hammering into everyone. Just follow your own dreams and don't let people tell you what you can and can't do.
7: I mean, what was your family's reaction to to seeing you starting? Because you were just saying to me uh, before we started that you, you didn't tell them before before the game.
9: No, I didn't. I didn't tell anyone I was starting. Um, so yeah, that was quite. I didn't know whether to say something or not. But then I thought the more people that knew, the more stress that would put on you. So I just said nothing to no one. And then. My parents found out through the lineup, well, so did everyone else found out through the lineup, and yeah, my phone afterwards was going mental, being like, "How come you didn't tell us, or why didn't you want us to come?" and I was like, "Well, I just wanted to not be stressed out. I mean, luckily, my parents didn't did able to come to the game and watch it, so that was really nice, but I told no one
7: have they forgiven you since?
9: <laughs> yeah, I think so, I think um I think with with the result that it was and how we the fact we we won the tournament in the end, then yeah, I think they forgave me for that.
7: <laughs> Penil, thanks so much for joining me. Um, first things first, how much do you enjoy life at Chelsea now that you're in your second season with the club?
10: Yeah, I mean, I enjoyed a lot. I enjoy playing with this team and practicing with this team, and yeah, also just like life in London. Uh, it's nice now, and it's no lockdown, and you can finally actually enjoy. lifestyle here what is
7: it that you you love about london the most
10: i think it's that there's so many different areas you can explore um, and all the good restaurants i love some good food Uh, so yeah these things
7: when when you arrived at chelsea a lot of people spoke about that the price tag that that came with that how how was that handling that 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 sort of you know a lot of people saying that you were coming with, with the club spending so much money on you
10: yeah of course when you have that price tag, it's it is taking some pr- pressure with it uh, because when you have a high price, people expect some high quality from the beginning. Um, so of course that uh, yeah some expectations comes with it, and that's something you as a player have to handle. Uh, of course, it's been uh, also difficult, not only easy to just do it because when you come into a new environment, you also need to adapt and your best best uh, play it might not come from the beginning it will take a little bit of time Um, but uh, I think yeah it, I, I've learned a lot about it and I also think it's um I've handled it in a good way uh, I feel like I, I did adapt quite fast and could give a lot to the team already the first <coughs> season I was here Um now I feel like I'm, I'm getting closer to exactly the player I am and uh, yeah I'm enjoying that
7: and how much of the likes of frank kirby and sam kerr helped you with your adaption as well because it seems like you've got a fantastic understanding with with them on the pitch and it seems like it's been the case ever since you joined
10: yeah i mean they're, they're two amazing players uh, and i enjoy playing with them um there was also a lot of other players in chelsea uh that makes it easy who, who makes a lot of work uh, we might not see in tv always but uh the work behind all the goals and assists, uh, those players are also really important. Uh, we don't mention them that much in media, <laughs> but I want to mention them because I think that's super important. And for me, that's you can't have a good team if you don't have those players who's working a lot uh, in the yeah behind the scenes.
7: That's really interesting there. It's really helped to see just how much the team spirit you, you've you got there and, you know, the, the players off the pitch that maybe aren't in the team who are still driving standards. Does it feel like you, you're you like a real sort of family at Chelsea?
10: Yeah, I think we have a really good environment. I think we're helping each other. Uh, we have a big squad. Sometimes it can be difficult because obviously everyone wants to play. Uh, sometimes you're not playing, but I think everyone is giving their 100% in training and that raise the bar all the time. Um, and yeah, we want the best from each other. Do you
2: know what? We don't pat ourselves on the back very often because we're just not like that. Um, however, it's been a great season. Thank you, all of you, for, for listening. As I say, we're we're not gone for long. Just a few weeks, we will be back Uh, with Euros specific podcasts and of course back for the new season as well where where the WSL and the Championship and all the women's football leagues uh, that we cover here on Women's Football Weekly will be bigger and better with more eyes and ears on the game than ever but thank you as always for listening, thank you to producer Flo, uh, to Maggie Murphy to Ellen White, Bradley Hayden and mostly all of you as ever for listening, don't forget if you do miss any of the show you can download the Women's Football Weekly podcast via the TalkSport app.
1: Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win. And support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ, the official ETF of the NCAA. The future isn't scary, not realizing its potential, however, could be.